Thanks to Noom for supporting Mullishy Wrote. Getting in shape isn't about a number on the scale, and Noom helps you develop a new relationship with food, build healthier habits, and feel better about yourself. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash ag. And thanks to Best Fiends for supporting Muller She Wrote. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. Download free at the Apple Store app or on Google Play. This is Andrew McCabe, and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. Hello. We have a great show for you today. Uh, a lot of Mueller news hmm. is ripening, which sounds weird, uh, but it is, including some court rulings that will impact cases from the Mueller investigation. We have stories about Eric Prince, who's back in the news, Concord Management, that's Evgeny Prigozhin's joint. Uh, the, the Don McGahn subpoena has news. Uh, Rosneft, we've got a new uh, story from Rosneft. Christopher Steele is in the news and some sabotage with Robert Hyde. That's that crazy dude that was oh, stalking yeah. Marie Ivanovich. Yep. Uh, and an interview with the host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti, nice. uh, who's here to talk uh, talk to us about the legal ramifications of the decisions and the filings going forward in the McGann subpoena case by the House Judiciary. Um, for the latest on the 2020 election and coronavirus outbreak, uh, check out oh, and, and the Senate's investigation into Hunter, Hunter Biden and all that. Check out our sister podcast, The Daily Beans, first thing Monday morning or Sunday night if you're a patron. How are you? How was your weekend? It's been really. I have. I've had a friend here from San Francisco, and yeah. we've just been eating everything for two days. Yes. <laughs> all I've done, literally, all I've done since I last saw you is eat. I know. I'm Nothing on the else. last final week coming up, like com- approaching the final week of my uh, fitness challenge. Mm-hmm. Orange, Theory, Orange Theory Fitness is an eight week long thing. Mm-hmm. Four weeks in, I was in third place. I, I think I may. I think I might take a dip uh, <laughs> coming up here at the end. <laughs> um, but uh, when you're done, feast. Yeah. Well, I'm already doing that, but. <laughs> There were burritos. Uh, what are you supposed to do? Say no? Right? Yeah. No. Oh, my God. You grab that burrito with two hands. And you eat it sideways. Eat it sideways. My poor friend, she's Irish. And she, uh, I'm so forceful with my love of San Diego Mexican food, as I've talked about before on the show. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of the trip just now, she goes, I don't really like Mexican food that much. And that's like all I took her to eat the whole weekend. But she was, she didn't want to disappoint me because I was so enthusiastic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I'm so sorry. So well, enjoy your enchiladas on the flight home. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. San Diego has like so many different amazing pockets of cuisine mm, also. Um, so for next time, mm-hmm. you could check out like Convoy. True. Mm-hmm. Controversial. She said she thinks that San Diego's food scene might be better than the Bay Area. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Controversial Ooh. statement. Fighting words. But she's a foodie, so, okay. you know. Okay. She oh, was yeah. a Yelp super elite. Oh, super oh. elite. Oh, yes. dang. Get I'm just, this uh, chick some napkins. 
She's <laughs> <laughs> got the drawer full of ketchup packets. Yes. Oh, God. You know, they don't give you, not that I ever go through the McDonald's drive through late at night. <laughs> Not that I would know that, but they don't give you ketchup anymore unless you ask what? for it. Yeah, they haven't been doing that for a while. That is no. one of their only redeeming qualities. Right? Their ketchup. I always yeah. forget to ask. That's All so the massive funny. amounts of it they would give to you. Oh, yeah. And um, sometimes when I go into fast food restaurants, I prefer the ketchup pump mm-hmm. to the packets. True. Like In-N-Out? Yeah. Their setup is way better. I agree. Yeah. Even yeah. though their fries are shit interesting i love their fries we just had this discussion the other day where i was like there's two wolves inside me one wants to eat like nutritious whole healthy food i made us like really good vegan quinoa so good and the other wolf inside me wants mcdonald's oh yeah and they're both on jordan's (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts um i heard beyond meat is coming to mcdonald's too which is very exciting for a non-meat eater Mm -hmm. but uh speaking of feasting really quick what i did this weekend do you all watch masterchef yes Okay, do you remember Dino, the winner that has like the tattoos and he always says baby doll and he's like, <laughs> he's like kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so he was doing a menu for a Veterans Foundation uh, fundraiser basically on Friday. So me, Dallas, Sam, uh, Dallas's wife, AJ and AJ's wife, Jenna and Ryan and I, we all went to this food tasting fundraiser where Dino was a chef and we got to meet Dino and he explained the menu and all that shit. Aww. It was like a five course meal. Master Chef super fan. Oh, I am. I know. Ryan and I and everyone that <laughs> went to that. Like clearly we were the only there for Dino and everybody else was there for the Veterans Association. <laughs> so it's like everybody's like above 70 years old and it's just this like ta- table of tattooed pierce like young people that are just Master Chef. Yeah, we're all like drunk and just fucking it was the best (laughs) (laughs) it was so fun we're like bring us dino bring out dino that's what it was like for us when rich had um and i think he still works around too around Mm, town yeah Um, he was on the other chef show um Mm. top chef dropped top Top chef Chef. Mm -hmm. Mm. and uh he he had um our gang he Mm -hmm. like he's into tots that's what that's what his thing Mm, was he'd make tater tots tots? yeah Ooh, like gourmet, tots. like mm. oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He had these ones that were infused with Gruyere. That infused, I was... yeah, they were good. Yeah. Oh. You know what else I discovered this weekend? And my wife's been telling me about this for five years. There's a shop in Little Italy called mm-hmm. Shakespeare's, and they have all my favorite British chocolate. Oh, so if fun. you are from the British Isles and you live in SoCal, Shakespeare's in San Diego has everything you didn't know about shakespeare i knew about it i just never oh. went oh yeah yeah and they have a, a little tea room up there they you can, do you it's can so cool. tea. yeah and they have of course downstairs a shakespeare's pub mm-hmm. that's yeah. so cool so I, my my irish friend and i we used to live together in london and so she lives in california now too and so yes. we went to this amazing british shop is this the one that's like kind of in linda vista actually no Mission it's, Hills. it's down by uh lucha libre on right five exactly that's what, I, that's what i'm thinking of yeah, yeah. cool Anyway. And we, yeah, uh, we took uh, my goddaughter there for a Harry Potter high tea. Oh, cute. And we were Bobatons. It was cool. Yeah. It was great. <sighs> Legit. Um, I fucking love food. Yeah. <laughs> and as Jack Handy says, if Jesus lives inside of us, I hope he likes burritos because that's what he's getting. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of news to get to. Uh, I know you're here. It's a new show. You're welcome. Uh, but first, we have a few corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Okay, from Sloan Russell and also Leonard Grossman. 
You are a ray of truthful light. Oh, thank you. Um, FYI, capital punishment can be used for federal and military crimes like treason, not just state crimes. Also, as a gruesome side note, the government hasn't been executing people for federal crimes, but Barr is bringing it back. Mm. Um, so sh- uh, she wanted us to know that capital capital punishment is a legal pen- penalty under the United States federal government criminal justice system. It can actually be imposed for treason. Hope it's sunny and lovely in San Diego. You are amazing. It actually just stopped raining. So mm. it, it is did. now. It is now. It just needs to dry up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank From, you. Yes. Thank you from Gerald and also Maddie. It's awesome to hear civil disagreement about primary picks. Thank mm. you. Uh, the three Mexicos is not a Trumpism, despite sounding like one. It's a, it actually came from the derps over at Fox News. The Fox <laughs> and Friends weekend crew referred to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras as the three Mexican countries in a segment about President Trump's plan to cut aid to Central American mm. to Central America. So they started it. Yeah. They, yeah, it was the derps at Fox News. Um, would love to see y'all at a live show to meet my daily news with swearing sheroes. Yeah. <laughs> from, from Hannah. I love your show. It's the only news I can listen to without feeling existential dread. <laughs> um, it's all the burrito talk. Um, while it's true most of Bernie's base won't vote for Biden for president than the other way around not most of, but more of, it's disingenuous to say Bernie voters won't vote blue in down-ballot races or would stay home if Biden gets the nomination without polling to back that claim up. Sanders' strongest demographics, 18 to 40, people of color and college-educated, were a major driver of the blue wave in 2018. According to Pew, each group voting blue by 30-plus point margins with a higher-than-average turnout and electing many moderate Democrats. Thank you preemptively from me, for the next eight months of panic. <laughs> good work. Um, I do have uh, polling that does show percentages of which of the candidates would vote for another candidate. Mm-hmm. Yang was the number one candidate whose whose supporters would not vote for anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, that actually checks out with the Yang supporters I've seen on Twitter, too, which is interesting because like a lot of celebrities kind of endorse him, mm-hmm. too. And it seems like these are celebrities that just shit on politics constantly and are not in the space where they're willing to do the vote blue no matter. Is there like think. a hashtag? Because there's like the Bernie or Bust hashtag. Is there a Yang hashtag? Like Yang or I there don't was know. the Yang gang, um, but they they were very about like they, those are the folks who would never fucking vote. Yeah, and they'd just yeah, be yeah. like him. I'll vote for anyone else. Right. Fuck you. Yeah, so that was kind of very the interesting. And hmm. I, and again, that was only a couple people that I saw. And right. I'm, anecdotally, I, I, yes. And I I know that a lot of Yang supporters are proudly voting blue. Yeah, but I did get that from an actual poll gotcha. uh, yes. i don't know I, I i didn't look at the breakdown of the poll mm-hmm. how many people etc etc i didn't test the validity mm-hmm. but uh it was a poll that i saw mm-hmm. um from aaron ross science reporter with oregon public broadcasting mm-hmm. hi all love msw and the daily beans i can't say how much your news and commentary keeps me sane everything is well reported and fair your election coverage has been a breath of fresh air in last Monday's edition, a few of you were asking why people shouldn't purchase or wear medical masks as a precaution. I mean, if it works for health officials, shouldn't we be safe? The thing is, there's currently a global shortage of medical masks, and people who are sick or caring for sick really need them. And since most people don't know how to properly wear a mask anyway, they're pretty useless for the general public, like mm-hmm. you said. And wash your hands. Nice. Seriously, I love the podcast. Glad you're taking time out of politics to cover an incredibly important story. One journalist to another. Your reporting helps me sift through the mess and focus on my job, writing about science and coronavirus. Aw. Hey, That's thanks. cool. Isn't that nice? That's wow. so nice. Mm. Thank you. Oregon Public Radio. Nice. Hell yeah. Journalists. Um, from, I know, I know, I love them. From Alex Schaefer, you're honestly keeping me and probably several, several hundred thousand others from having a stroke. The world is dark. You give us light to remind us that other people are in the darkness too and we're not alone. 
Your comment on voter turnout, youth voter turnout, wasn't wrong per se, but nuanced. The 13% number on Tuesday for 18 to 29 year olds wasn't their turnout, but it was the percent of turnout that was 18 to 29. Around 19% of the electorate is 18 to 29. So the percent of that turnout shouldn't be that high anyway. It's Mm -hmm. still low, but the participation rate is around 68%. And to know actual turnout, I would need the number of voters, which we didn't know yet. Hmm. To conclude, youngsters weren't energized like we wanted, but it's better than it sounds. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, From Taylor Beauvoir. Uh, Your legal reporting is top notch. I'm always super impressed and happy to learn every time legal news drops. Amanda mentioned having climate anxiety and then went on to talk about Biden's support coming from oil money and fame uh, and frame his environmental policy as less progressive than Bernie's. Just so you know, Biden signed a no fossil fuel money pledge. This campaign cycle additionally introduced the first climate change bill to Congress in the 80s. Biden's climate goal is also the same as Bernie's carbon free by 2050. And he plans to commit five trillion dollars in total to fight climate change. Nice. Um, thank you for that. Yeah, I, yes. I hadn't looked mm-hmm. up the, the bullet points on his, mm-hmm. on his climate proposal. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, More than any other podcast, it's nice to hear from you all about the things that give me anxiety while I'm living abroad. I appreciate the coverage and the real conversation that takes place about the state of our nation and how we can help. Thank you. Yeah. So those are corrections. If you have any for us, please head to MullerSheWrote.com, click contact, select corrections, and build us a compliment sandwich. We'll get it right eventually. We do have a lot of news to get to, so let's get to it with just the facts. All right, so we got some big news in the BuzzFeed FOIA case seeking the underlying Mueller investigation evidence this week as the judge, Reggie Walton, questioned the credibility of Bill Barr and the Department of Justice after their spin on the Mueller findings uh, in that four-page memo he Mm -hmm. he released last April. The judge then ordered the Department of Justice to hand over the entire unredacted Mueller report to the court so he could review it in camera, which means, you know, in his private office. <laughs> we have a with a camera. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm going to take pic now. Oh, interesting <laughs> name then. Yeah. In, in, uh, it's uh, Latin for uh, under the roof, I think. In camera. We have a lot more on the details of this case and the path forward in the interview later with Renato Mariotti. Um, Walton gave the Department of Justice until March 30th to hand over the unredacted Mueller report. That's the day before the Supreme Court is set to hear the Deutsche Bank and Mazar's cases and the day before Bill Barr is set to testify to the House Judiciary Committee, provided he's still the attorney general. Please note, we have no inside sources, just public reporting to speculate that Bill Barr might leave his job. It's not. It's just what I think. Um, And from Politico, uh, U.S. prosecutors from the Mueller team say they have a mystery witness who will directly implicate Putin's chef, Prigozhin, Mm. who was the head of Concord Management and ran the Internet Research Agency. Mm. And it will implicate him in schemes to carry out election interference overseas. The trial is set to begin in D.C. next month, and the witnesses, uh, this witness is prepared to testify in the case that Mueller brought against 13 Russians and Concord Management. None of the charged individuals are, are known to have been arrested or face charges, but the entity, Concord Management, actually hired American lawyers to fight the case in, in what we all considered to be like Troll. a show trial. Like <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, a trolling of the American courts. Because we know from previous reporting, they did that to get their hands on Mueller documents, which they later falsified and released, saying they hacked the Mueller probe. Uh, until this reporting, evidence was expected to be com- comprised of emails, budgets, pretty dry shit, rec- uh, records detailing the effort uh, called Project Lakta. So the prosecution's announcement that they have a live witness prepared to do detail face-to-face dealings with Prigozhin came mm-hmm. as a surprise. Um, so you remember that spy that was deep in the Kremlin um, and we tried to pull him out and mm-hmm. he resisted. He mm-hmm. said, no, I'm going to stay. Uh, but then eventually came back to the United States. I have beans on it being him. 
Hmm. Um, because one of the lawyers dropped some hints in the February 21st hearing for this case, the Concord Management case. First, they're having the witness testify under a pseudonym, and as we know, Bob Woodward wrote in the book Fear that six human sources um, backed up the CIA's assessment that the Russians sought to undermine Clinton in 2016, and that that Kremlin source is one of those six sources. His name we now know to be Oleg Smolenkov. So my beans are on Oleg. We may Mm. never know who the mystery witness is, but that's who I think it is. Interesting. I have a quick question. Yeah. If you're representing an entity that's international and they're not physically showing up and like speaking for themselves, but you're getting paid for money that's overseas, is there any sort of like, or do you think there's any sort of extra process you have to go through to sort of register yourself as like a representative for an overseas company? Um, Most, like most court cases, I assume that you have to present yourself as the defense team and right. the judge has to approve it okay yeah. i'm assuming it's probably the that that sort of encapsulates yeah. that, that sort of process like just all within the courts yeah mm-hmm. and you remember these guys you did reporting on this jordan their their filings in court were like mm-hmm. yeah ridiculous yeah, like they, <laughs> they quoted tweety yeah, bird like and Disney, Sylvester yeah, cartoons or whatever and they dropped the f-bomb in it a couple t- yes. and and the judge was like this isn't helping you um, but it was all supposed to just be this show trial anyway. And here all of a sudden Mueller's team is like, oh, we got a witness. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine Concord Management's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be funny, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back with more news, including what Chris Steele is saying about the Mueller report. Another judge requesting more Russian memos and an update about that 0.5% commission, $280 million from the sell off of Rosneft that's been missing. Mm-hmm. We have some updates on that. So mm. stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Noom. Uh, I used to think getting in shape meant being thin, without any body fat, having a diet of nothing but kale and kale-flavored air, but I was wrong. Getting in shape doesn't have to be about a number on the scale or losing a specific amount of weight or anything like that. Actually, it's just about building healthier habits and feeling better about yourself, having more energy, and that's why I love Noom. I've been using Noom for about a year and a half, uh, and they helped me develop a new relationship with food, and they personalized the plan to my needs, my lifestyle needs. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing your diet and recommending healthy recipes. And they also connect you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other people using Noom so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Uh, I, again, I've been doing it for about a year and a half. I lost some weight up front, but now it's just sort of about maintenance and having a better relationship with food with no guilt. Because with Noom, you pick the goals that are right for you and they personalize a program to help your goals become reality. It's based in a cognitive behavioral approach and they use personalized courses to help you reach your goals. You don't have to commit to a rigorous plan at all. It's pretty easy. It's just 10 minutes a day and they make it super convenient with everything in the Noom app. So you don't have to have a different app for like one for tracking steps, one for logging food, one for getting your nutrition stuff. It's all there in the Noom app. Um, And there's no shaming. They don't use negative reinforcement. So there's no shaming. Just tips to help you get back on track. So it's a perfect time to make a step toward healthier habits. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom dot com slash A-G to start your trial today. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. Okay, so uh, welcome back. From the Daily Beast this week, Christopher Steele, Uh, spoke to a group of students at Oxford University in England attacking the Mueller report and Trump's Department of Justice in his first public remarks since his dossier was published in 2017. Uh, This was like a little private group Mm -hmm. of students, but Daily Beast was invited. Steele said the Mueller probe failed to do any drilling down into financial networks and leverage, which he said is the crux of how Russian influence works. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Steele said he was interviewed by the Mueller team for two full days, but said, I was surprised that very little of what I had discussed with them appeared in the final report. He criticized the probe for being too narrow in scope and failing to follow up on crucial evidence. He complained about certain witnesses not being interviewed at all, like Don Jr., for example. And he also went after the Department of Justice and its Inspector General report on the Russia probe, which criticized then FBI, the, uh, the FBI's interactions with, with Chris Steele. Mm-hmm. He went on to say that he is not cooperating with the Durham-Barr investigation. You know how Barr like, yeah. appointed Durham to redo? <laughs> yeah. He's not cooperating with that shit. He says, uh, I fully cooperated with the IG. And as far as I'm concerned, we've done our duty. We've said everything we've had to say on the matter. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like you need to retain some personal dignity, (laughs) not get dragged through this country's shit show. (laughs) Totally. Like, uh, how many follow ups are you going to have? So you had the Russia probe. Then you had the IG uh, report on the Russia probe. And now you want to do another probe on the probe. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm done with your probe. Exactly. I'm done with your probes. <laughs> Fuck your probe. Yeah. And from Josh Gerstein at Politico, I love this guy. There's another judge ordering the review of a Russia probe related document in camera. A federal judge in D.C. has ordered the NSA to turn over a memo that details a conversation in which Trump pleaded with former NSA chief Mike Rogers to take action to rebut news reports about collusion between Trump and Russia. Sounds like another uh, obstruction of justice charge to me. The judge in the case, uh, Colleen Collar Cottley. This is the best name I've ever heard. It's so great. She said in a ruling Friday she needs to read the memo written by Rogers, Deputy Rick Leggett, to decide whether it can be blocked from release in response to a FOIA suit. Trump and the Department of Justice opposed the in-camera review by the judge, but the judge disagrees, saying in light of the arguments and legal principles, making a responsible de novo determination, de novo determination of the NSA's exemption claims requires an in-camera review. Um, that's a lot of Latin for, I got to look at the shit before I decide Mm -hmm. if we can release it. Fair. The Department of Justice says the memo is classified and exempt under the FOIA rules because it describes a confidential conversation between the president and a top advisor. The watchdog group that filed the FOIA request, the Protect Democracy Project, says the privilege was effectively waived after Mueller included a summary of the conversation in his report Mm. last year. The judge says to make a decision, she must compare what's in the memo to what's in the Mueller report. This, paired with the Walton decision in the BuzzFeed FOIA case, indicate that judges are sick of your shit. Yep. (laughs) They're increasingly unwilling to take representations from the Trump administration and the Department of Justice about the contents of documents being withheld and or redacted in these FOIA cases. The NSA has until March 13th, that's four days from now, Mm -hmm. to hand over the memo for review. So I thought that was... uh, Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad this fight is not done trying to get these unredacted (laughs) Mm -hmm. memos and, yeah, part pieces of the report because it's like, it was so, it was such an egregious offense, you know, how much we can assume that things were redacted when they shouldn't have been and to think that that was going to be the end of it was very discouraging. So I'm really thankful for, yeah, BuzzFeed and these judges Mm -hmm. and these watchdog groups and everybody that's trying to relentlessly uncover that stuff. Yeah, it, it and it's it's really fascinating that it's all just sort of coming to light now because yeah. mm-hmm. this is April of last year, you know, uh, Barr released that memo and everyone just threw their hands up and went, well, that's the end of the Mueller thing. Mm-hmm. But this stuff is going to be coming out for years to come. Right. Wouldn't they like to believe that this was the end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just I think they're just hoping it's the end until after the election. Yeah. Although I don't think that I mean the the whole Mueller report should have 
you know, spoken for itself. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe the Department of Justice is like, well, we better comply with these orders. Our base isn't going to care. Yeah. Really quick, I had a comment about the Christopher Steele thing. I feel like as someone that works in intelligence, he should know when you can't, when you hit a, I don't know if like it's different in Britain where, where he works in his jurisdiction. But it seems like he didn't give any credit to the idea that you can only get so far if a witness is, you know, non-cooperative. And if you literally can't discover more, it seems like that's what they said in the report, basically, is, you know, we could we just couldn't or people refused to talk to us or we just had to make a judgment call on how long are we going to sit around and try to, like, wait and push for these things, you know, when they're unre- when they're reluctant to give it to us. Yeah, and Mueller uh, outlined that. He he brought that up in mm-hmm. the Mueller report where he says, look, there'd be a lot more if people didn't lie, mm-hmm. uh, delete mm-hmm. their conversations, and fuck with my shit. Yeah. Uh, al- although I do think that a lot of the scope problems, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that Christopher Steele understands that the scope may have been limited, probably was limited, yeah. by Rosenstein, who exactly. had promised to land the plane for Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to, you know, it, it is a little bit disingenuous mm-hmm. to blame Mueller for that. But he also doesn't directly blame Mueller. He just mm. he says the Mueller report okay, sucks yeah. because it's missing all of this shit. Yeah. And one thing that Mueller was not uh, allowed to mm-hmm. investigate was all the financial stuff, which is Christopher Steele's number one thing. Yep. He's like, that's how Russia does their stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. His money stuff. And to- you, you totally you won't even let him do that. And we also know that Mueller was not allowed to investigate whether the vote was impacted or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Which blew my mind. Yeah. But could be part of an open and ongoing um, intelligence community, mm-hmm. intelligence investigation, mm-hmm. which we haven't heard anything about either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His frustrations I, I sympathize with and I think I share them. But just we have that perspective of knowing, you know, DTJ, for example, was incredibly reluctant there every witness in that case with the exception of people like rick gates and who else would you even put in his camp he seems to be the most cooperative out of like all the witnesses in that report he was ultra quick bannon was pretty cooperative yeah yeah but aside from that it's like they were just constantly hitting walls so yeah, yeah. gold stone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was just overly friendly and weird yep. um nunberg was drunk uh, so drunk. <laughs> I watched the clip the other day. It came up in my time hop, you know, a year ago mm-hmm. when Aaron Burnett out front was like, "You smell like booze, buddy." <laughs> and he's like, "I haven't had anything to drink." And she's like, mm, uh, "I can smell alcohol yeah. on your breath." That's saying a lot in D.C. too. <laughs> I feel like that whole city is constantly half drunk. So if you come in <laughs> to and to beat a coat, right? Yeah, and someone's like, "Dude." Hold your shit, man. Keep it together. You're ruining it for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only reason she brought it up. (laughs) Don't wreck it for the rest of us. (laughs) Functioning alcoholics. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, And Bloomberg News put out a story this week saying Singapore accounts reveal a payment to help secure Kurdish deals and that Rosneft paid $250 million to an external consultant to help secure those deals. Uh, the fee was linked to deals that helped Rosneft become the dominant foreign player in the Kurdish oil industry. In the process, um, this drew Russia deeper into Iraq, just as Putin was seeking to bolster the Kremlin's position in the Middle East. The $250 million was paid over two years by Rosneft's Swift subsidiary, Swiss, not Swift, <laughs> Swift, <laughs> Swiss subsidiary Rosneft Trading. Uh, the same subsidiary the U.S. imposed sanctions on last month, by the way. The fee was disclosed a few weeks ago in the financial statements of a Singaporean subsidiary created by Rosneft as a holding company for its investments in Kurdistan. 
And Singaporean is interesting because if you remember KT McFarland, when she was taken out as uh, Flynn's number two, and she was a Bud McFarland like protege, uh, all about putting nuclear reactors in the Middle East, she was uh, appointed the ambassador to Singapore, and Singapore was one of the four ambassadors that was at that Kislyak meeting mm. that shouldn't have been. Hmm. Um, the consultant wasn't named, but I can't help but wonder if this this is the mystery company from Country A we've been chasing for almost three years on the podcast. Uh, we will keep you posted on that. It's just a, it's just interesting that that 0.5% commission was paid to an unknown entity. Um, from a Singaporean subsidiary created by Rosneft to bolster its oil investments in Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Mm -hmm. this week we know a federal appeals court dismissed the House Judiciary's case for a subpoena for Don McGahn, saying that it's not the court's job to play referee between the executive and the legislative branch, except that's totally the fucking court's job. (laughs) Uh, As expected, and I think we put beans on this, the House has filed to have the case reheard and bonk. Uh, which we discussed with Glenn Kirshner in the interview last week. And en banc means all 11 judges will rehear the case and make the call. Uh, four are Republican appointees. Uh, it is a heavily uh, democratically filled mm. court of appeals in D.C. Uh, I think Merrick Garland's in charge. I believe that on the merits, the House will win this one on the merits, which would mean the Trump administration would likely file for an appeal with the Supreme Court. And when I say on the merits... When the appeals court, um, this just this past week, uh, dismissed the case in a two-to-one ruling, they didn't do it on the merits. They didn't say that the House ha- doesn't, ha- they didn't go, the House doesn't have the right to do this. What mm-hmm. they said is that uh, the courts aren't, shouldn't be making these decisions, so it was a jurisdictional dismissal. But if they listen to it and hear it on the merits, I guarantee you the House is going to win this one. But again, it'll just be appealed up to SCOTUS. So um, look for that likely appeal. Uh, with the Supreme Court and light and probably a stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll continue to follow this cape, case and keep you posted. So that's what's going on with the Don McGann testimony. Nice. Sweet. It's going to go on into next year. Yeah, and I hope drag. And I hope that the new Senate and the new Congress still just continue to pursue mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. Um, investigations. You need to get Don McGahn in there because if he has any new information that we didn't get out of the Mueller report, that's significant. Mm-hmm. A and reminder to flip the Senate, everyone. It's yeah. not just about the president. Yeah, and to flip get Trump the out and then we can investigate him criminally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the House says that they will, if there's new information that Don McGahn has, they've said in the, in one mm-hmm. of their filings, we'll we'll open up a new, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll file more impeachment mm-hmm. uh, articles. Mm-hmm. Double impeachment. Impeachment two, double stuffed impeachment. <laughs> what's the full? What's the one that's like mega stuffed or like? Oh yeah, oh, the Oreos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. they just keep making new ones that so have more. Somebody cream did in a them. thing that was just all stuffed, where it's just like one cookie, oh. but it's like it's just giant. I don't thing. know about this, but I'm curious. One thing I will say about moving here, Canada's fairly similar in a lot of ways. It's not like I moved here from somewhere that's like massively different. Canada and the UK are very similar countries. However, when I first moved here, I was like, holy shit, there's like 10 million more options for junk food. Yeah, I was just going to, I was reading your mind. I was going to say the cookie aisle is insane, isn't it? Oh my God, and cereal options. I mean, it's nuts. Yogurt, 
it's everything. Yeah. Like, I'm used to having like a couple of options, mm-hmm. you know? But when I moved here, I was like, oh my fucking God, there's like nine more flavors of Oreo. I lost my mind. Yes. And the grocery stores themselves are just incredibly large yeah. warehouses to account for said options. Yeah. Never but let yeah. me loose in a grocery store by myself. I'll be there for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Never shop when you're hungry. <laughs> yes. Anyway, sorry. You were talking about something important and I was like, Oreos. <laughs> no, I was done. I was on to Oreos. So, you know, that was an appropriate track for that conversation glad I, to take. glad I bring a much needed political commentary to the show <laughs> you do <laughs> I appreciate you uh, we'll be right back with Hot Notes Sabotage and the Fantasy Indictment League so stay with us hey everybody it's AG one thing I've realized while doing research for Muller she wrote is the deeper you dig the more layers you uncover and that's what I love about the new puzzle game called Best Fiends uh, except without all the corruption and criminal activity. Best Fiends is actually a great distraction when I need a break from today's insane politics. And the more I play, the more fun it gets. Uh, I reach each new level. I feel like I'm uncovering a new layer in a story um, that you get to be a part of. It's it's amazingly fun. Uh, it's free to download. It's a five-star rated game with a bright, vibrant design, fun characters that you can level up, and it combines an exciting story with challenging puzzles to engage your brain. But it's also a casual game because I am not a gamer, N-O-T, not a gamer, but this is so easy and fun to play. You collect these characters, uh, you need to use them strategically for each level. Uh, I'm over level 100 now, I'm kind of a champion, um, so I'm really excited about it. But you can share your progress via social media and you can engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. They have thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month, so it stays fresh. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can play offline, which is super important, because that way I can play it on the metro or the subway or on a plane. It doesn't require the internet, so I I play it when I'm traveling. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hot Notes. Right, everybody welcome back uh somebody who just can't seem to stay under the radar eric prince jordan you have something uh going on with that fuck face What's yeah up? yeah so this is a big headline that came out over the last couple days but we have um he's back mm. reporting came out that eric prince he's the sketchy security seychelles man he has been recruiting former british and u.s spies over secret the years seychelles man <laughs> secret seychelles man he would love that nickname and i hate that yeah. <laughs> no one tell him yeah it's especially with that song that's all he ever wanted um <laughs> but all of the wildest dreams will come through yeah but he's over the last couple of years yeah i guess he's been recruiting spies from britain and the u.s and this is for intelligence gathering operations that were specifically seeking to infiltrate democratic congressional campaigns labor organizations and other groups that just are not fans or good for trump um fans of or good for trump so for example one of the former spies he's an ex-mi6 officer his name's richard sedon S-E-D-D-O-N, Seddon. Uh, but he helped run a 2017 operation to copy files and film and record conversations in Michigan's office of the American Federation of Teachers. This is the pretty much like biggest teachers union or one of them in the nation. So they were looking for info that was going to that they could release to the public and would be damaging to them. So it's shit like that where they're literally just recording people. Um, th- then the next year, the same guy infiltrated the campaign of Democrat Abigail Spanberger, uh, and all these operations are ran by this group called Project Veritas, which is a conservative group that's known for spying specifically on news orgs, Democratic politicians, and liberal advocacy groups. And yeah, it's it sounds pretty like old school spy shit, literally just hidden cameras and microphones. 
Um, and all of this information is coming out now as a result of the discovery process in a court case that's between that teachers union and Project Veritas. Uh, you know, them basically saying, hey, not OK, not chill. And we'll, we're just hopefully going to get more and more information about Prince and how he's been connected to this all. Um, there's nothing that's been explicitly tying Trump and, you know, his desires to the operations of this group. But the Trump Foundation did give $20,000 to the group in 2015. And he brought up footage at a debate once that the group allegedly got as dirt on Obama and Hillary. So that is so fascinating. You know what Watergate was, right? Mm-hmm. Bugging mm-hmm. and recording inside the Democratic National Headquarters mm-hmm. in, in the Watergate Hotel. Uh, yep, that's what this is. Yeah, it would uh, it would appear that it's incredibly not okay, Mm-mm. right? Unless you're the FBI or an intelligence agency, I don't think you're allowed to just do that. No, so this <laughs> this, this you could call this our Watergate. Because yeah, that's precisely what it was. Yeah, but for unions. Yeah, yeah, and then like smaller groups, I guess, instead of something as huge as the DNC. But I, I mean. Who knows what's going to be uncovered about their activities if this stuff is coming out right now. This is the first I'm hearing of this. Yeah, same. It does also make sense, though, that that's exclusively kind of the work Eric Prince does being a security official. He's the one that tried to, like, privatize the war in Afghanistan by suggesting they do private contractors instead of troops. And so he did. He did have Blackwater. Yeah. And so he's like a huge part of. You know, the Trump mindset, which is privatize the military and intelligence industry and let's take away all institutional knowledge because that goes great. And Eric Prince's sister is Betsy DeVos, the education secretary who's all about privatizing education. What a horrible sibling group. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what Thanksgiving must be like at the Prince house. Oh, God. Yeah. What do they play? I- it. They play Monopoly. <laughs> yes. But like for real. <laughs> yes. Seriously. <laughs> They, like, added their own plebeian pieces or something to make themselves yeah, like, feel more. Instead of, like, Mediterranean and, and Boardwalk and Park Place, it's, like, yeah. the prison system, the railroads, yes. <laughs> education system. Like, yeah, I got all four. Mm. Betsy's got the schools. I've got the military. Who else is in their family and what shit are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> Who raised these people? Jesus. Do you ever just disassociate awful. when you think about all the evil in the world? Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's what our entire podcast is, does. Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> but it is just, it's crazy. That's what, that's, that was our secondary name was Dissociation Nation. <laughs> God, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> like, this is too much. Let's zone out, eat Cheez-Its, and watch TV. <laughs> Just I... Stay politically engaged, everyone. It's really important. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes if you need to disassociate and eat Cheez-Its, that's also okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little Rick and Morty. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Eating a sleeve of saltines um, in my uh, underwear, watching Carlitos <laughs> way. <laughs> Thank you, Pat Oswald. <laughs> and this is just something that I read in the article that I think is a fun fact. One of the operatives that they used in one of their spying missions was a graduate of Liberty University. Oh no. <laughs> is that so? Those are the Trump kind of jobs which is no longer in it, business, it's, right? It's like the Christian. It's a huge, massively uh, oh, okay. like Falwell Junior funded joint. Yeah, okay. it's, yeah. it's okay. run by a pool boys. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's this. Uh, and this is Liberty University. That's the one who, ironically, Eric Prince's sister. Right? Wasn't it her that was like, or no? Was it not her? No, it wasn't her. It was that was else. doing what? Uh, it the basically not not collecting fees and and student loan debt from people that had 
Oh, no, that was um, other private for-profit universities. Mm. That wasn't Liberty? I don't think so. Hmm. You're probably right. Trump had a university. You're probably right. They would have mentioned that in the article, probably, if that connection existed. Yeah, it was just Trump University that you're thinking of. That he had to pay a $25 million settlement for and paid Pam Bondi off $25,000 to not investigate. Yes. Who Mm. became then his impeachment lawyer, one of them. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to find the story that I was thinking of so I can correct myself later in the show, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay, so my hot note. This week, we got a huge dump of Mueller 302s. Those are FBI interviews, notes about FBI interviews. In the BuzzFeed FOIA lawsuit, Jordan, you went over a lot of these, a lot of what was in that on Friday's Daily Beans, Mm -hmm. and um, included the long-sought-after Kushner interview, which came out, though it was still heavily redacted. Uh, As we know, uh, and we will discuss in the interview later in the show, Bill Barr's credibility is under scrutiny by a couple of federal judges who have asked to review the entire unredacted Mueller report and a memo of a discussion between Trump Trump and NSA chief Mike Rogers in camera. We also know Chris Steele is taking issue with the scope of the Mueller report, and we don't yet know how much of what he says is missing might be under those black boxes. We don't know yet. But there was one 302 in the pile of 600 pages that got released this week that I wanted to go over, and that's former Ambassador Richard Burt's executed proffer agreement with the FBI. This is a previously unknown proffer deal until this week. According to his proffer agreement, Russian banker Petr Avin, a billionaire oligarch with Alpha Bank, told Burt that Putin himself wanted a communications channel open between the Kremlin and the Trump transition team. Then uh, Avin... Um, and that outreach uh, of from Avin to Ambassador Burt is the only publicly known uh, instance where Putin was personally involved in directing the Russian interference on behalf of the Trump campaign. If you all remember, Alpha Bank, where Avin worked, was involved in a surge of mystery traffic, internet traffic, to a server in Trump Tower in 2016. As we have reported, computer analysts concluded that Alpha Bank had developed a clandestine back channel to the Trump organization using that Alpha Bank server in Trump Tower. Um, Bert, who was the ambassador to West Germany under Reagan, helped develop key points for an important foreign policy speech for Trump that he delivered in April 2016 with Kislyak in attendance. And Bert had dinner with Jeff Sessions, according to Mueller, to discuss policy positions. Bert also aided Russia with plans for a gas pipeline, and he sits on the board of a Luxembourg company founded by Petr Avin of Alpha Bank in 2013 that's currently investing billions of dollars in the American healthcare industry. Mm. Uh, opening the back channel for Putin put Avin in a tough place because he could face sanctions over it. But you you can't you don't go against Putin. So Bert took Avin's idea to Symes and asked him to arrange a meeting with Kushner. Mm. That's where that mm-hmm. whole Symes meeting with Kushner yep. thing kept happening over and over again in the Mueller report. I think Symes was brought up hundreds of times in the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. So now we have a mystery witness set to testify next month in the Concord management case. We have a Kushner 302 that's mostly redacted. Still. <laughs> We have two judges questioning the credibility of Bill Barr and Maine Justice's redactions in 302s and the Mueller report. We have Chris Steele telling Oxford University there's a lot of shit missing from the Mueller report in its current form. And, of course, we have the mystery company from Country A, the Alpha Bank server communications after revelations of Putin himself wanting to set up a back channel, and the $250 million payout to Kurdish interests after the sell-off of Rosneft. So it appears we're getting closer to the full picture here. And we'll be following what these judges have to say about the appropriateness of uh, what Bill Barr has been redacting. Mm -hmm. But what's under those black boxes is going to be extremely important. And Reggie Walton is taking no shit. Mm -hmm. Love him. Oh, I'm very excited. 
So all of this stuff we've been tracking. and uh, Yeah, I was just going to say it's good for this to be back in the news mm-hmm. I, yeah. for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, when are you going to change the name of your stupid podcast? <laughs> yeah. It's always relevant. <laughs> People have stopped asking me that question because it's so abundantly clear the answer is never. I know, right? This will continue forever. Yeah, we, our audience is as big as ever, and yeah. we're not leaving in, unless y'all do. So, Well, and these people aren't stopping criming, so they're still committing crimes now that I'm sure will be investigated later. But even the shit they've already done, as is demonstrated here, takes forever to get still to the bottom trickling. of. Yeah. It does. It takes a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As evidenced. Yes. Um, Really quick. Correction to my Liberty University mm-hmm. mix-up. It's Corinthian Colleges. Yeah, mm-hmm. those were the names of the ones that, that were close. I was thinking so, Apollo Group, but it, it was one of those for-profit. Yes, but it was Betsy DeVos that was like getting threatened, kind of to be, be getting trouble for still collect trying to collect those debts. Yeah, the judge was like, "I'll put you in fucking jail, yeah, lady. Get your shit together. Stop doing this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so she had to pay a fine, um, not personally, but you know, out of the Department of Education. Yeah, but Liberty University is alive and well, and <laughs> the career trajectory is apparently right into sketchy people's. Totally. Spy companies. <laughs> they have a whole class. Uh, they have a like a major focuses on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. how to get into Eric Prince's uh, spy Ugh. spy jobs. Can you imagine the internships? <laughs> I swear that's why they created that university is to establish a connection, probably just between first off profiting a bunch of money and then people that have a bunch of money and want certain political ends. Either that, or they were looking around like there's no lawyers. Uh, that are that want to do our shitty yeah. shit jobs. Yeah, exactly. We need to make a university so we can get lawyers that will represent us in these fucking yes. cases. <laughs> Who was that Greek dude that set up schools and shit? Was that Socrates or Plato? One of those. Yeah, wasn't it one of them? <laughs> they Aristotle. Were, and they just <laughs> sat on some... I love some... <laughs> Who's that Greek dude? <laughs> a Roman All or whatever. All we are is dust in the wind. And dude. then, yeah, I should definitely know this considering my degree. Yeah, but... there's some sort of philosophy major <laughs> out there who's like, Jordan! Oh, yeah, no. Well, I study political theory specifically, which largely is... so crates. Okay, nice. I think it might have been so Where they have their, their pretentious hill of free thinkers and whatnot. <laughs> Although <laughs> I think, you know, one of... one beget the other beget the other. Like, uh, one taught another taught another. Definitely. Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. There's mm-hmm. I don't know yes. which came first. But... I know Socrates was Plato's teacher. Mm. Yes. And I think Plato was Aristotle's teacher. I think that's the... You Is know it? what? You'll send us a correction if you know it's what? not true. Play well. But I, you're right. I think Socrates was the, the father of the school. Yeah, because like the Socratic method and everything, I would assume that was named because he was like the teacher. Yes. Yes. Mm. All right. Aren't we all teaching each other? <laughs> Aren't we all Socrates? <laughs> Just, I, did, didn't he die from hemlock poisoning? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he killed himself. Yeah. Oh. Or I should say... He died by suicide. It was a conspiracy, that, and I well, think that QAnon's looking into it right now. Yeah. Because that's how relevant it is. Well, they were like, you can stop teaching people, and you can stop filling the minds of the youth with this free-thinking poison... Or you can drink literal poison, and he was like, "Okay, literal poison." And he did the second one. Hemlock. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. <laughs> I think so. Mm. I'm not so familiar <sighs> with the story, but I believe you. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't read that story. God, twenty twenty five years. Yeah. Ago. There's like depictions of him like on yeah. his deathbed, surrounded by all of his lovers, mm-hmm. not sexually, but like grape peelers and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Grape peelers. Yeah. <laughs> the people that feed you grapes. <laughs> you peel them. Oh God. No, I think these were like his. Brain disciples. Ah, brain disciples. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates is brain disciples. Yeah. If I ever had kids, I'd call them my brain disciples. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on Netflix. <laughs> All right, are you ready for sabotage? Yes. 
Okay, so remember Robert Hyde, the creepy dude running for Congress in Connecticut mm-hmm. over the objections of the GOP that texted back and forth with Parnas about Marie Ivanovich's mm-hmm. whereabouts? Well, he's picked up five new complaints for stalking, making nine total charges uh, for abusing a protective order and criminal harassment. In the new charges, Hyde sent disparaging emails to his victim's clients and her husband under decoy email addresses threatening to expose his affair with the woman. Hyde will return to court April 15th when prosecutors will make another request to revoke his bail while the judge reviews the new evidence. So that's what the prosecutors are trying to get his bail revoked, saying he's he's got five more complaints since he's been out on bail. You need to revoke his bail. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, are you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! I'm gonna be indicted! Oh, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be indicted! Okay, I think I get to go first this time. So I'm gonna go and say hide. Nice. That guy sucks. Yeah, fuck that guy. Unhinged. He's like a Glenn Becky dude. Yeah. Or he's mm-hmm. like, I think he belongs in like the Nunberg mm-hmm. circle of people. Yeah. The credit, you know, the. Totally. Uh, Want to like. Those folks. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going Galen. I'm going to say uh, Rudy. Oh. <laughs> Tom Barrick. Fuck yeah. <laughs> One day. It's going to pay off. God. We switched last week. I thought it was going to work for sure. <laughs> um, I'll take superseding Parnas. I'm going to say Prince. Eric Prince. Yeah, because I don't understand how that shit's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> How is that shit okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'll go superseding Freeman. Uh, I will do... Am I? Yeah, how are you, like, allowed to spy, <laughs> like, in a private... But I guess, like, private eyes or whatever, those people function. Like, when you hire someone to catch someone cheating on you or something. Yeah, like, but Those people can't, exist. You can't... Uh, Break into the Democratic yeah. groups yeah, and, I guess and that's steal their shit. That's what they're settling. Um, uh, <clears throat> then I'll go superseding Korea. C-O-R-R-E-I-A. And I'll do Pecker. Pecker. Alrighty. You got Pecker and Jizzlane. Mm-hmm. Woo. <laughs> 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 A lot of dick jokes in your fantasy yeah, diamond league today. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we have a great interview coming up next to talk. We're going to talk about all the stuff that's going on in the McGann case, uh, upcoming things, and then, uh, you know, uh, some of the other interesting Mueller decisions that are coming down the pike with Renato Mariotti, host of the On Topic podcast, right after this. Stay around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I wanted to tell you about a couple of podcasts that I think that you should check out. First, there's the Awful Neutral podcast. This is a, a D&D role-playing. We also do Call of Cthulhu and Kids on Bikes, which is based on Stranger Things. It's just a fun role-playing podcast. There's about seven or eight comedians uh, that, that participate in this. Uh, Jordan, I know you're going to go play a, a, a non-player role or something, NPG, non-player character really some npc nice. today and um it's it's just a lot of fun it's like a lot of improv and it's role playing and it's it's a nice break from from politics if you're looking for something like that and jordan your pod's coming out soon yes yes we are i'm pretty sure launching this week it's called i disagree and myself and uh my co-host steve we talk to people about topics that we disagree on and we're all comics so you know it's 
still the laughs, still the swears, not news-based, but conversational-based, and we've had a really good time recording a bunch of episodes we've got stacked up and in the pipeline, so I'm really excited to send that out. Excellent. And um, there's a podcast called Incoming, which um, I am being featured on this week. It's, it comes out on KPBS. That's an NPR station here in San Diego. Uh, I think it dropped Friday, so it's out now if you want to check it out. It's, it's my story about how I mitigate... Um, my PTS with comedy and news and things like that. Um, really f- great podcast. Um, and they have a whole series, uh, all of these uh, folks from the military trying to, um, you know, get back into civilian life. It's uh, really cool. And how they mm-hmm. cope with that transition. So I think you'll really ch- like it. Check it out. It's called Incoming. Search for it wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe and, and give a rating if you, if you get a chance. That would mean a lot to us. And those are the podcasts I want you to check out. So now we'll be going back to this podcast uh, in three, two, one. So joining us for the interview today is former federal prosecutor, CNN legal analyst, and host of one of my favorite podcasts. It's called On Topic. It's our friend Renato Mariotti. Renato, welcome back to Muller She Wrote. How are you? Uh, Great. Always glad to be back on Muller She Wrote. We are so happy to have you, and uh, because you help us so much with like the legal analyses of so many different things that are coming out. I remember you were at our Chicago show live. Uh, you know the day that Barr, or the, excuse me, the day that I think Nadler filed for the underlying Mueller documents um, mm-hmm. with the court. So this is a like this is along those lines. So I wanted to give you a call. I had like memories. I had Renato memories. So just this week, Judge <laughs> <laughs> Judge Reggie Walton, who's a Bush appointee, which normally I wouldn't bring up and normally doesn't matter until Trump got here. Uh, but uh, Re- Reggie Walton ordered the Department of Justice to hand over the fully unredacted Mueller report, citing Barr's rollout of the Mueller report suspicious, thereby questioning Barr's credibility. And so I was thinking, I mean, those are really strong words from a, from a sitting judge about the sitting attorney general. And I was wondering what your top line reaction to the ruling was. Yeah, I was. Look, I, I was surprised. I wasn't. I agreed with 100% with the judge's conclusions, and frankly, I think anybody who is a thinking person who is looking at Barr's letter, for example, that he wrote that supposedly was summarizing the Mueller report, I think it's hard not to see that he was being deceptive. After all, if you would literally cut off uh, sentences, you know, uh, quotes mid-sentence, he would quote like portions of a sentence that Mueller said, and it would be a very highly misleading. Uh, it was clear that he was deliberately misleading the public. And, but it's really something for a judge to say that. I mean, essentially what, what Judge Walton was saying is, you know, you, are, you the government, are asking us to trust you when it comes to these FOIA, these FOIA redactions. I don't trust you because, you know, Barr showed that he had a lack of credibility throughout this entire process. That's something you may believe, I may believe, but to hear a federal judge say it is really something. Yeah, and and in parallel, you know, uh, as this ruling is coming out, we have we get another 600-page dump from the BuzzFeed Jason Leopold FOIA request on the Mueller memos, memos, which, of course, are highly redacted. And so I think that it's... And I remember Judge Walton saying early on, these redactions had better be on the up and up or I will go through each one of them to determine their, you know, their appropriateness. And so I wonder if that's sort of where he's heading with this. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think he's 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 asking. I think he wants to see what they call it an in camera. In other words, I think the judge wants to review the underlying unredacted documents himself. 
he's going to go through and he's going to see if the redactions are appropriate. And, you know, that is unusual. I mean, look, anyone who's ever FOIAed something will tell you that usually what you get back are a few pages full with black, uh, you know, black marker uh, through them redacting. And, you know, then, uh, you know, uh, uh, a statement, a letter that says that there's a whole bunch of other documents that are being withheld because they fit within exceptions. You know, FOIA is a very important tool. Journalists use it. But the fact of the matter is that the exceptions often are so large that they swallow up the rule. And agencies have every incentive to aggressively interpret those uh, those exceptions. And essentially, you know, what he's saying is, you know, the, the Justice Department released a statement saying, hey, Barr wasn't behind the redactions. It was career employees who did them. And what essentially uh, the judge is saying is, look, because of Barr's actions, it really hurts the credibility of the entire department. I can't trust you going forward. And I also think, you know, Judge Walton, uh, you know, to, to reference another friend of, of uh, Mueller, she wrote, uh, Andrew McCabe, you know, Judge Walton was involved in a prior suit involving FOIA, uh, a FOIA request for McCabe documents and he expressed some serious concerns about that prosecution saying it was like a banana republic the way that that was being uh uh uh, undertaken and of course he's a former federal federal prosecutor himself i think he views it through a lens that's that's very informed and i think from his perspective he's concerned about what's going on at doj right now yeah that's right judge walton uh as you pointed out was the judge who gave a uh, an ultimatum to the department of justice that they needed to fish or cut bait they had to either uh, charge uh mccabe close the case or release these documents the you know the firing documents that that were uh in that in the foia case so he he uh, he seemed to have not a lot of patience for what's been going on over at the DOJ, and you 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 um, you said the DOJ has responded to this suit, but I read their response, and it and it doesn't seem they don't seem to be defending Barr's role out of the Mueller report. More, they seem to be jumping ahead and defending Barr and the department's redactions, which seems to be kind of putting the cart before the horse, like assuming what's what's next you know what i'm saying it just seemed like a really weird like they were def- defending so, like a different case it seemed it didn't make sense it didn't seem uh coherent to me well strategically i actually think if i was in their shoes that might be the right thing to do because it may very well be that the foia redactions are um defensible in other words you know they say that career people handled them that very well may be the truth mm-hmm. i don't know but it's hard to defend when you get into the weeds, the specifics of what Barr did. So if you read the statement, they have like one line mm-hmm. where they say it wasn't true. We defend, you know, or that, you know, uh, you know, what, essentially that uh, it wasn't true what he said about uh, Barr's rollout. But it's just sort of a flat denial. And that's what you say. As a lawyer, I'll tell you, when, when somebody just gives like a flat denial and they don't get into the weeds and you kind of explain why something's wrong, that that. that they can mean that there's just, you know, it's it, it, it's problematic when you get into the weeds. And that's what I think the issue is here. You know, if if I was cross-examining uh, Attorney General Barr, I think at five minutes, you know, it'd be very hard for him to explain why he, you know, selectively quoted from the document and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a hard time explaining that to Congress as well. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we'll see how we'll see how that rolls out. But um, in, if just for like um, a little bit of a legal breakdown here, we're this is a FOIA lawsuit. We're in the district court. What are the next steps? I assume the Department of Justice will appeal 
Walton's ruling, um, and, and, and then do we go through the dance where we go to the appeals court and then possible hearing and bonk and then SCOTUS? Is that the, is that the progression that we're probably looking at? You know, it's possible, but I think it's, it's, it's also, I think it's more likely, I think it's also possible, and uh, without knowing the details of their redactions, because I can't, no one, none of us knows publicly. So I think it's likely that they're just going to, I think it's likely that they're just going to hand over the documents. Uh, and, and if that, if what they said is true, I mean, after all, they put out this public statement in which they said that career staff handled this without any real input or direct involvement from Barr. If that's true, which it better be true, because they put that in a public statement now after being called out by the judge, you know, DOJ may just say, fine, take a look at it. And, you know, if, if what they're saying is true, then that will put an end to all this, right? The judge will look at it. He'll compare the redactions. Maybe, he'll, I mean, I'm sure he'll have some changes. He'll say, you know, there's certain portions of them he disagrees with, but then that's it. You know, the, then the public will see whatever the judge comes up with and we'll be done with it. That would be, in my view, the savvy way of handling this, it, as long as you're what you're saying is on the up and up. Now, if they are trying to redact something that they shouldn't be, that they really don't want the public to find out about, well, then they are going to have to try to appeal this and fight it. And that could be a long process, and it may not work well for them. It'll draw more attention to this. So, you know, I think the judge's, you know, the judge's comments are, you know, are within the realm of things that a judge could do, which is, you know, he's, he's taking a close look at it. I could see the D.C. Circuit potentially, although it, it's skewed with more with democratically appointed nominees. It's certainly possible that they could take a different view on this. So, you know, it's, it's possible it could work out for the DOJ, but I think the, the, the more prudent approach would potentially just be to hand this to uh, to the judge and let him take a look at it. Yeah, sure. And like you said, if everything's on the up and up, and if it's not, I would be. I would assume that then their number one priority is to delay this past November, which could easily be done through a series of appeals. Correct. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. But I also want to caution our listeners not to feel like just because the DOJ appeals this means that their redactions aren't on the up and up. That I don't think that that would necessarily be a. a a correlation that you could just assume. I think that's right. It could be that they are they want to vindicate, you know, Barr's reputation, or they they want to show judges that you can't just push them around. Um, but I have to say, if this was not politically charged, uh, I think they would do, and they're really on the up and up. They would do what I suggested because it's just the simpler thing to do. You know, don't forget the Justice Department typically is looking past the current case and they're thinking about the future and they're going to be have cases in front of judge walton for years to come so you want to show him i think demonstrate to him that the justice department is acting with credibility <laughs> yeah i don't know sometimes i question that they're actually caring about what happens in the future but i don't want to i don't want to put any uh undue opinions on uh on you know what may or may not be real so anyway thank you so much for answering those questions for us we'll keep looking for this uh this ruling and 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 how the doj reacts to it uh i really appreciate your input everybody please check out the on topic podcast with former federal prosecutor and cnn legal analyst renato mariotti renato thanks back thanks again for coming back on Mueller she wrote thanks so much ag anytime all right, everybody, that's our show. Thanks again to Renato Mariotti. He's just such a, an awesome uh, person, very smart, uh, great legal mind. I appreciate him coming on, former federal prosecutor, CNN legal analyst, just a cool dude. And um, thanks for, you know, listening. We appreciate it. Yeah, we've yeah. gotten so many wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts lately for both Aww. shows. Really, really nice ones. Very cool. I love reading those. Me yeah. too. We've passed a, 
I think 1,200 reviews on Daily Beans now on Apple Podcast. Ooh, I know we're five stars on there right now, too, which oh, is shit. nice. Yeah, dude. If you have a review for Daily Beans, go make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been encouraging people in the newsletter and on Twitter and stuff. So Even if you just write the word butts 10 times, totally. <laughs> give us yeah. five stars for the butts. If you aren't subscribed <laughs> to the Daily Beans, you should subscribe. And if you are subscribed and you like the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. Yeah. Cool. We would appreciate it. Any yes. final words from you guys? <laughs> Ladies? Women? We got another People. primary. Mm. Yeah, we do. And we're going to go over all the goody goody election stuff. And the Daily Beans comes out tomorrow morning. Unless you're a patron, then you get it a day early and you get it ad free. Mm-hmm. So it's it's worth the three bucks a month, I think, mm-hmm. for that premium content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll dig into our primary feelings. Totally. And we do video shit right now. after this. Yeah. And yeah. your hair is very sexy, apparently. And my and tattoos, so your tattoos are awesome. yes. Yeah. Yes, yep. we got a, we got a comment. responses. Yes. <laughs> we put out a special bonus video content if you're a patron. And we're starting to get some. Some uh, crushy comments from people. Mm. Jordan has beautiful flowing hair and AG's tattoos are sexy. (laughs) And we do those as soon as we have answers to questions. So if you want to submit a question, find our tweets or go on our Patreon website, patreon.com slash Mm MullerSheWrote, and and submit a question. And as soon as we've got some questions together, we put together video content. Mm -hmm. We we aren't putting it out on a timeline or anything, but we should have about one a week out. So I'll be wearing my onesie this week. I put call-outs out. So I I ask, uh, I do, I put out a call-out about once a week for the question and we're getting some awesome ones for this week so i'm excited yeah and mm-hmm. i and it's it's a it's a it's a red plaid onesie <laughs> and and the thing is is that winter is ending we're in our third spring now well i think we're back into third winter yeah because it rained <laughs> here in san diego because it rained but it, it's i'm not gonna be able to wear that onesie for much longer it's gonna start getting hot so mm-hmm. you're definitely if you want to see the onesie it'll actually probably be up there for all eternity in the summer they can see us sweat <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's that. what I was saying off the mic. I was like, hell, God, I am a very sweaty person. <laughs> Excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, please take care of each other and take care of yourselves. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. Mandy Reader. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. M-S-W-Media. <laughs>